Hello, my friends. This is the podcast that brings the wealth of knowledge, expertise, and fun of Twins Smoke Shop, New England's premier smoke shop, right to you, wherever you are, whenever you want it. And that's Not Just Blowing Smoke. You can find us at our website, notjustblowingsmoke.com, and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Not Just Blowing Smoke. The not just on smoke. <laughs> Hi, everybody. If hey. things went well and Dave did what he was supposed to do, that would have been Fat Cigar you were listening to. It Hopefully was. You heard it. I think your initial intro, nobody heard. Yeah. No, I, yeah, your initial. Your initial. They heard Fat Cigar. I don't know. How do I know? I mean, if one didn't I'm happen, maybe you. the other didn't happen. Well, of course it did. No. Maybe this isn't happening. Maybe this isn't happening. Maybe this maybe isn't. you're not here, Dave. There is no that objective reality. Maybe wonderful. this is maybe this is the <laughs> matrix. Maybe this is the real matrix. Maybe. Whatever it is, uh, we're not just blowing mm-hmm. smoke. And we're coming at you live from Twin Smoke Shop Studio headquarters in Londonderry, New Hampshire. Be sure you subscribe to us wherever you're watching, whether it's Facebook or YouTube or Podbean or iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon, I don't know, but we're everywhere. So wherever you got it, make sure you hit that subscribe button that's right below us, and that way you'll be sure never to miss a thing. I'm Pastor Padron, and I'm here with my co-hosts, uh, Pat and Nick and Dave, and we have a very special guest. The Warlock has returned. The Warlock has returned. Absolutely. Kaz Walters from Laodice Distribution Group. What exactly that is, no one's really sure. It's a secret. You'd have to be part of the Warlock Order to know. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think it has some. Well, I won't go there. Okay. So, um, but uh, uh, we're glad to have Kaz with us tonight. He's all the way from, uh, where is it, uh, Timbuktu? Pretty much. South Carolina. South Carolina. I was close. Sort. No. I mean, I told way you down I was, south. I told you I was going to be punchy tonight. Way down. I don't know. Like, it's T- Timbuktu's in Africa, and that's across the Atlantic. So I don't know. It may be directly across the Atlantic from South Carolina. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. So uh, we are starting off tonight smoking this beautiful cigar. It is a Placencia Koshika. Is that how you pronounce it? Do you know, Nick? Uh, Koshka. 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 It's one of those. Koshka. Koshka. The Kosecha. I want to smoke you, Kosecha. Mm. I bet you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All I night am. long. This is the Kosecha 149 La Vega. That I know I can pronounce. La Vega. There you go. Is La Vega. His Spanish is getting better as the show goes Thank on. Thank you. Thank you. It's one of those things. Mm-hmm. I think we just lost everybody. Anyway, it's a uh, <laughs> Nicaraguan Puro, and 149 means that this is the 149th crop. Yep. That Aganorsa collected. They saved the best of that tobacco to make this series of cigars. Once that tobacco's gone, the cigar will be gone. Hopefully it'll be like so 152. Agon- Agon- yeah, Agonorsa. I, I have questions. Yeah. Dave, I'm glad you have questions, Pat. Is it Aganorsa? 
It's Placencia. It's Placencia. Did yeah. I say Aganorsa? You, you said Aganorsa. Yeah, I, thought, All right. I could be wrong. Is this a Honduran Puro? No, it's Nicaraguan Puro. I, I thought it was all Honduran. I could be wrong. All right. Uh, Somebody fact check it, please. Fact check it. 500 hours in, Pastor Padron is starting to lose it. Goodness. Well, it's been a long day, hasn't it, Danny? And then fun it's fact where he's looking weeks. is, I'm going to butcher it, but Corseca Pravada means private harvest. Yeah. In English. It's the harvest of, uh, it's the 149th harvest or crop of that Placencia has made. Mm-hmm. Okay. Any what relation say, to the? So uh, first, all Honduran cigars. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Very nice. I completely butchered so, everything. So wrapper, far. binder, and filler are Honduran. Yep. Beautiful. Wow. Now, does this have any correlation to the one four six that we had before? I'm assuming that one four six was the one hundred forty six crop. Was, yep. But that's all that means. That's all, that all means. gone now. That's all that. <clears throat> mean, yeah. And yep, we are once at those are gone, Yep. It is a full-bodied, medium to full-strength cigar balanced by distinct tones of cream, dark chocolate, and a subtle yet earthy hint of cedar. Mmm. Well, uh, do you all agree with that so far? First light? So far, yeah. Totally getting the chocolate. So far. Mm-hmm. Now, Danny, you we had a discussion earlier today about yep. the size. We were, There was three sizes that we yes. had in the shop, and we have the... My, I guess the Churchill size or the Toro Gordo, whatnot. There's or the a Toro. there's like a fat robusto. It's like yep. a quarter inch smaller than this, but yeah, you know, several ring gauges larger. Mm. And then there's a Toro, mm-hmm. and uh, um, I'd had the the shorter, the short, fat one. Yep, and short, fat really robusto. enjoyed that. You had I both, I guess, but thought I, this was gonna add a little bit more. I think this zip. one, yeah, I think this one has a little bit more. A little bit more fullness, a little bit more flavor to give the give the user, in so to speak. Um, I had the short fat robusto. I love that little size, and it was a good cigar. I just this one for me just holds so much more flavor. There's another depth of flavor to me um, with this cigar versus that other one. I think it's just it it wants to give you more, but it's it's not there. Yeah. This one, I think maybe because of the size. It's just there's a lot of flavor going on here. Mm-hmm. A lot of flavor, but it's not overpowering. Like it's it's right. satisfying. Yeah, it's yeah. The, just the perfect amount. Makes amount your, to be a full makes your mouth water a little bit. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And we're pairing this with uh, something that Kaz suggested, uh, the Diplomatico rum. I'm a rum guy. You're a rum guy. I I love so rum. I'm assuming you know about this rum. Yeah, it's a Venezuelan rum. Um, it's uh, most guys who enjoy rum are familiar with it i mean mm-hmm. it's not a can girls not enjoy rum sorry girls can't enjoy rum no no uh, which means you not. can't have any oh oh, oh. 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 Fired. shots fired uh, no. tight pants i don't have anything to say back <laughs> but no it's, it's, anybody who's who's tried rums neat or, or wanted something a little special has probably tried diplomatico it's mm-hmm. it's a nice quality rum but it's still accessible yes um and it's just got a really nice like complexity without being something you have to study. It's rich. It's got a nice sweetness, but mm-hmm. without being cloying. And I thought it would be a really good match for not only this, but for the pipe tobacco we're going to try later. Yep. I think yep. Uh, I think Cass hit it right on the right on the head here because mm-hmm. that sweetness, that subtle sweetness that you get from the rum, it comes through in the cigar really, really well. Mm-hmm. 
it's not overpowering. It's really a nice. It's a great compliment. To it's it. a nice complimenting pairing. What I also like about Diplomatico is that while it's, you know, it's a straight rum, we're drinking this neat. It doesn't have that fire or that burn that kind of kills your palate like you sometimes experience with some rums. Mm -hmm. You can. Um, some of the rums that I've had experience, well, a lot of experience with are a lot of the family reserves from Bacardi. Mm -hmm. I go to the island. I go to the factory tours. I've been going down there for the past 16, 17 years, and mm -hmm. a lot of the rums that I get are their family reserves or the reservas, which you can get a lot of that. But if you go... Um, you do the four-year or the eight-year, mm -hmm. you can kind of get more of that sugarcane molasses taste in there, which mm -hmm. you can get in a lot of rums, uh, a lot of younger rums, but a lot of, and it's a kind of a shame that you have to go to the island, you have to go to the factory to get those family reserves, because the family reserves, I mean, are really on par with this, if not a little bit better, a little bit more refined. Sure. Um, and they age their, age their rum in uh, Jack Daniels barrels. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, they buy you can if you go on the tour. If you're ever down there in Puerto Rico and you go on a, a Bacardi tour, you see when you're going on the tour, you see all their barrels, mm -hmm. and it all says Jack Daniels, and they age their rum in Jack Daniels barrels. Nice. They buy them already charred, already already used up, and they age their uh, rum in barrels. Fascinating. That is cool. That's very cool. So. So do we have anything else to say about the scar and the? pairing before we move on to our major uh, topics for tonight. Um, I can do the what I get from the cigar breakdown of it. Sure. So first, I, I like the size. It has like that nice kind of firm box press that you get in the top mm -hmm. Placencia line. So yep. I think if you're a Placencia smoker, this is you know, it has that same feel to it. Same quality feel. The smoke itself is pretty unique. I'm still trying to like kind of hammer it down. It smokes more like a Nicaraguan, so but it's it's all Honduran. Um, mm. it's it's interesting because like it really has a unique mouthfeel. Mm -hmm. So when you draw from the cigar, the initial impression on your palate is it really dries it out. But then there's a saltiness to it through the finish that kind of gets you to start salivating again. Yeah. And then you have what? So th the first time I ever picked out redwood in a cigar was when I smoked the Amaforte. Mm -hmm. This cigar has like that really dry redwood to it, and then you get some. I'll call it. It's like an in between of like a black and a brown pepper. Um, it's it's like I think on the draw it has like that stimulation of black pepper, and then on the finish it kind of goes to more of that savory kind of baker's brown pepper, and then there's a nice kind of chocolate sweetness that just coats the interior of your palate, and that saltiness is more to the exterior. And then it, it, there's a little bit of leather that stays on the back of my throat through the finish. And I haven't had the drink yet, so I can't really speak to that. But So I get drink. I get everything you're describing, but when you mix it with the rum, it's almost, and this is this may be a, uh, a lowbrow comparison to, to what you described, but when you take that flavor profile and you mix it, what you get with the, the rum, it's almost like eating the, the burnt corners when you make a pan of brownies. Mm. Like there's that. I got you on that. One. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. That the rum kind of really kind of brings that forward. It brings yeah. right the at the end. Out, yeah, yeah. That's nice. That's very nice, Kaz. But mm. no, I, I and I get what you're saying with the mouthfeel. Like there is incredible like flavor what we were describing, but also there's a lot of body. 
without yeah. being mm-hmm. overwhelming. It's a, the, definitely a full body smoke. It's very creamy, very rich on the palate. Yeah. That's uh, it's really satisfying. And so, you know what I love about this cigar, Danny, and Pat, and Cass, and Dave. What? Dave, you're right. Yep. It's like mid range for Placencia. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as price goes. I mean, this one goes for thirteen ninety nine. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the type of flavor and everything, it punches way above its price range. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd be definitely comfortable paying seventeen, eighteen dollars for the cigar. Sure. And I mean, it, at this price point, I mean, it is just a fantastic. It's a gorgeous looking cigar. Oh uh, yeah. You know, the the wrapper's flawless. It's got this great oily matte sheen to it. Mm. It's really, really good. There's almost a redness to it. Goes with that redwood yes. kind of a. That it can, does. I, can I say something? Uh, now I I completely screwed up with the origins of the cigar. That's you did. My bad. Totally. Now that said. Yes. I don't know that I would have guessed that this was a Honduran cigar. No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't, doesn't smoke either. like it. It doesn't smoke or taste like it to me at all. No. Does, am I am I just trying to cover my ass or Yes, yeah, but you're right. Yeah, definitely trying to cover <laughs> your ass. But I would definitely agree with you there. You know, most of a lot of the cigars are Nicaraguan based and Nicaraguan right. tobacco. So it definitely comes off as a as a Nicaraguan yeah, puro. But or, I mean I mean just because you roll a lot of Nicaraguan cigars doesn't mean I I don't understand why this this doesn't taste like a other Honduran cigars that I I love Honduran tobacco. Yeah, and you know I'm, I'm you're not saying it's better than, but it's it's not. I, I'm, within just, the I'm just saying that I'm surprised. That, yeah. yeah, it's it. This is Honduran tobacco. I'm I'm surprised. Mm. Yeah, it definitely smokes more Nicaraguan, maybe a, a medium body to medium plus mm. Nicaraguan cigar. And then when you look at the the literature, it's all Honduran. It's a Honduran puro, and it's. Mm smoking the body on it is just so beautiful yeah it's, it's so full it's, it's nice it's really really nice i love and adding to that um i'm sure you guys are experiencing the same but correct me if you're not nope the construction on this is amazing the draw is mm-hmm. fantastic yeah yeah look at the bar uh, yeah. uh, you couldn't expect anything less than from placencia sure. i mean yeah i mean all their cigars even down to their entry level reserva mm-hmm. is the draw, the construction is immaculate. Agreed. So like not trying too. to imply otherwise, but yeah. like the draw on this is ideal. Like yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. It's a perfect draw. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So one of the things that we wanted to talk about tonight was an article came out that was really interesting. Pat saw it, sent it to me, and we were both kind of like doing what? And basically it was an article that uh, Half Wheel put out uh, about the um, – uh, funding for that's coming up with with the FDA, and there's language in it that is saying we'll we'll give you this money, but no banning of flavored cigars, no bl- banning of of uh, uh, flavors and cigarettes, no controlling the amount of nicotine in said products, and it was almost like what's going on is the government actually turning against the fda on on some of the main things that the fda has been talking about for the last you know seven years since this whole thing started and uh pat our resident lawyer is going to kind of summarize it for us and uh uh, we'll talk about what this actually means and has this thing actually like 
gone through yet? Is it st is it it's still a bill, just a proposal? So it's, it's it's a proposal. It's if it does pass into law, then it's gonna look a lot different than it does now. But it's it's a, a proposed bill right now. Um. So yeah, generally, so the I think the formal title is the title is a committee of appropriations. Yep. So it's the the committee on appropriations. This is for the agricultural aspect. So obviously the um. FDA is going to be a portion of that. So it's really just a spending bill. So where they're going to be allocating taxpayer money to. There is a, the, you know, the cigar industry does pay a user's fee too. So that's different funds that's not included. Mm -hmm. Well, it, this does say how much of those user fees you can actually get, but that's not the funding that the government is referring to. Like, in that's this not lumped in with taxation. Right. Yeah, in this article. So... It's really, it's, it's like 120 pages and there's 769 sections to it. Damn, jeez. Um, and the tobacco stuff is the last two sections, section 768 and 769. So this was, they had a hearing for this a few days ago and I had watched most of the hearing. So I'll kind of give you what my thoughts are on everything at the end of it. But really, you know, basically government spending... You know, when you're obviously given money, there's going to be conditions attached to it on how the purview of what that spending is going to be used for. So if a bill like this passes, there's conditions that you have to meet. So there's the two of the conditions for the spending is that that's prevalent to us is first, they say none of the funds provided by this act or provided from any other accounts of the treasury in the United States derived from the collection of fees available to the agencies funded by this act may be used to may be used by the Secretary of Health and Human Services to finalize, issue, implement, administer, or enforce any rule, regulation, or order setting a tobacco product standard that mandates a maximum nicotine level for cigarettes. So that's section 768. And then 769, which is what we are more focused on. The first half of it says the same thing. They may not use this for any regulation, notice of proposed rulemaking, or order setting any tobacco product standard that would prohibit menthol as a characterizing flavor in cigarettes or prohibit characterizing flavors in all cigars and their components and parts. So, obviously, if this went into law today, that essentially saying, I mean, there's a lot of questions I'll kind of mention after sure. this with what I, you know, I have for this, but... It would mean that the spending that they have been given, they can't use it to prohibit flavor in cigars. Now, characterizing flavors, I think I'll give the mic to Kaz in a few moments to kind of explain his, because the pipe tobacco has a lot more knowledge with characterizing flavors, because I haven't really, my research on that's not really extensive. But um, it's interesting, though, because when you just look at how these bills are made, you know, people were take stuff out put stuff in it's going to change a bunch and i was looking at it with kaz before the show started and i was saying you know characterizing flavor in cigarettes or prohibit characterizing flavors in all cigars and their counter components and parts i was like why would they put and their components and parts if they said in all cigars so i feel like they initially said in all cigars and then they probably added and their components and parts because if you say in all cigars you could argue oh it's in the cigar not the outside so like i don't know like sugar on the wrapper or an infused wrapper or anything of that sort Sweet might not caps, be in there things like that mm -hmm. but then the question comes is what is a cigar i think this bill is using the general understanding of it um 
they're not obviously using the definition of cigar or that the um, CRA has proposed for option two of the deeming rule. But yeah, I have Kaz kind of mentioned what characterizing flavors are. That's kind of important. So uh, I feel it is a reasonable assumption for me to make. But uh, I'll take, for example, one thing that impacted my particular niche of the industry in recent years is Massachusetts recently, within the past three or four years, put forth a ban statewide with flavoring. Right. And many people interpreted that as just aromatic pipe tobacco, meaning things that were heavily flavored. Um, think about your vanillas or your cherries or your chocolate pipe tobaccos where it right. is you're not getting so much tobacco flavor as you are getting these these applied flavors. Um, Massachusetts didn't actually put it forth as a banning of flavored tobacco or aromatic tobacco. They defined it as a characteristic flavor, and by that they meant a flavor present in the tobacco that was not derived or could not be naturally derived from the tobacco itself. Okay. So that, of course, covers anything with uh, that, that falls under the category of the umbrella of, a, of an aromatic tobacco. Right. Yeah. But um, the language was sufficiently vague that you had some suppliers uh, at some blends that it was reasonable to, to be hesitant to sell it within the, the confines of the state. Um, that didn't have applied flavorings, but um, there are some that were that were named for particular beverages or such that didn't have any applied flavorings, but because of the unique blend of tobaccos used, oh, it tasted like how it was named. And it's like, you know what? There's room there to, for that to be described as a characteristic flavor. Mm -hmm. And just to play it safe, it was like, eh, that that's probably not something we want to market in that state. Okay. So a characteristic flavor, as my understanding of it is, is that it is a flavor that is not expected or naturally present within tobacco itself. Um, we could get into the weeds as far as like what that even means, because, mm. I mean, a Maduro wrapper... Mm -hmm. could be described as a characteristic flavor. Sure. But um, that is what I think that they're trying to cover there as far as, you know, if it's not tobacco flavored and you're calling it, oh, this is, has a vanilla flavor or a chocolate flavor and that's not characteristic of tobacco, that would leave room for them to target it. And I think it's them trying to uh, make it very clear that these things can't be targeted. Yeah. So my quick little two second thoughts on it um, is, so I, I watched the hearing and everything. So to me, this looks like a conservative bill that's being proposed here. Um, when I listened to it, they did a good job kind of bashing Biden spending and the economy right now. So, and I, I was kind of shocked by that. I thought it was going to be kind of like a middle of the ground bill, but a lot of the battleground is, you know, like the, the cut, it's, it's kind of a cut in funding. It's their theme is doing more with little. And, you know, the big battleground is they're taking away different, well, they're not taking away, but they're reducing funding in different support systems. And the big thing is that they're limiting, they're taking money out because since the pandemic, um, the 
emergency officially ended, I think a few weeks ago, I think Biden lifted it. Um, that was a lot, that, that was an avenue that was used to get additional expenditures. Yep. So this bill here is getting rid of that. So that's what the big argument is. And typically, I think, so I think it's a conservative bill. So I think the tobacco stuff being thrown in there is because when you make these kinds of bills, you throw some stuff in there to get people to vote for it. So I, I, I think that's probably why it was thrown in there. So maybe a year from now, you might look back at it. It might be edited. It might be gone. It might be stuff added to it. Pipes might be on it. Who knows? But right now, it's early stages, so it's not like nothing to get excited about. But I think it's good to see the demeanor of at least like the federal government in D.C., like with how cigars and premium tobacco and hopefully pipe tobacco following shortly thereafter is getting more favored. And this bill here from what I would assume is a conservative bill is at least including the language that we're looking for. So I have to ask, and it's like, if you aren't entirely sure, like no, no feelings one way or the other, is this tied into the whole current thing that's always in the news recently with the, uh, the debt ceiling debate? Like, is that, no, I I mean, I, I, this is I didn't of, get that impression. It, I mean, I, I can answer that question just because, like, I'm in law school and I can kind of. So the debt ceiling debate, <laughs> like, it is a lot I'm of people. I'm in law school and therefore I can answer that. A, question. a lot of that people. Chamberlain Esquire. I think a lot of people are, are talking about this, and I think people are actually going to be interested to hear this. So, um, so basically, this happens every time they're going to raise the debt ceiling. They're always going to do it. So, um. The big argument that you hear the president and then the legislative branches is basically the spending is law and law is the legislature. Separation of powers. The president can't enact law. He only enforces law. So then the legislature is like, well, if we don't increase the spending, you can't do anything about it. But then Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which most people don't typically know this because obviously everyone knows 14th Amendment is equal protection. But uh but the third, there's actually an amendment, um, third section of it, where it says that, I, I forget the exact legal language of it, but it's basically like the debts of America will not be unpaid, basically, by any means. So it basically enables any branch of the government to make sure we pay debts, which is where the president can basically say, you know, you, I'm going to raise a debt ceiling. Well, so that, and then it's always just a political pissing match because no one, it's, it's just a political argument that they make just so they look good da, da, da. so but it's always going to get raised because of that section so. well it's already money that's already been committed and promised it's not to spend more money it's to honor the obligations that have already been set yeah right? so, so yeah it's 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 always going to pass that's why whenever it gets everyone watching this show if everyone gets talked about it again now you know not to listen to it because it's going to happen no matter what so the camera's over there you're pointing you <laughs> i'm, I'm <laughs> pointing to my, my which, which camera <laughs> hello <laughs> dan how's that nicaraguan cigar this uh, nicaraguan <laughs> so good. it's so good kaz you know, <laughs> I just wish it were from Honduras because I really like Honduras. Oh, oh I'm God. about to make you really happy. <laughs> <laughs> Say it isn't so. So, um, how long of a process is it from this point to whether or not that bill actually passes? God knows. Yep. God I, I would say, knows. like, development maybe a year. But pro, I, I would usually. Well, try- I mean, this is a budget thing. I mean, there's got to be a time limit. There's the their, yeah, their budget say, has to run out at some point. 
<laughs> I'd say like within a year. Well, it has to be approved. The budget has to be approved. Mm. I'd say within a year, definitely before the next election. Mm -hmm. I think this is going to be setting up the standard for the next term. Oh, God. Okay. God help us. And uh, yep. it is, you know, does this really look like, you know, that some of the government is, is like looking at what the FDA has been doing and spending its time with and saying, uh, so it's probably not the best use of your time to spend it doing this and this. Well, apparently they can't do anything about the FDI, so they might as well shit on the FDA. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's <laughs> probably the FN, and the CIA. I mean, well, that's thing, another show for another. Time. If you read closely, you know what it could just be like. If you look at like, maybe it's foreshadowing what's going to happen with the deeming rule argument. You know, mm -hmm. like trying to ban these things and mocking the kids and everything. Like maybe it's the government's like, don't use this money to redo that because you wasted all this time and money on it and it's stupid you know maybe that's why it's in there maybe it's just because there's a couple of republicans in there that want to smoke cigars and they like acid cubas i don't know but i, I think possible it, it, it could potentially be foreshadowing that's what biden's what I mean, yeah their observation of, of this litigation's been there's a lot of ground to base that on though as far as if that's the position they want to take because judge meta who has been the the judge that has overseen a lot of the challenges to these deeming regulations that came uh, forward in 2016 has thrown a lot of it out because yeah. it was arbitrary and overreaching and i mean it, it was basically a carte blanche push and it was seen as such and like i mean i, I can just give like you know like a law student's like two second explanation for the standard there i mean i i, I did environmental law but all the agencies function similarly so I, I haven't read like the case for the deeming rules so maybe this may or may not be applicable but it's the standard the supreme court set for these agencies so there's something called well there's two things one is you have the apa which is what they two brought this action under the, the administrative <laughs> procedure act so basically that that allows citizens and people to bring actions right. in court against um the administration's overreaching so there is a formal comment period that they have to answer, and that's what the battleground is here right. because they didn't answer sufficiently, like the the threat to the miners. So that's why it's even in here. So then the other thing is like the Chevron deference, and typically courts will tell you that it stands separation of powers. Like the judiciary doesn't have the means to be able to interpret statutes when these agencies have the experts that are there to interpret statutes and see what's good for you know, how to carry out the congressional intent of the regulations that are in place. So the Chevron deference basically is that the court's not going to interpret a statute so far as the agency's response to it's reasonable and that Congress hasn't spoken on point on the issue. So I don't even think we're going to get that far. I think this is literally just the common period. And I do think it's going to get vacated. I don't think it's going to get vacated and remanded back for um, editing. I think it's going to get vacated completely. Which is going to be vacated, the deeming rule or the deeming this, rule? The deeming rule. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that's what happens. I mean, I'm I'm not in law school like Pat, but on. But I smoke cigars. My lay my layman's perspective, being in the industry, is leads it inclines me to think that that's the case. Yeah, and even if it gets vacated and then remanded back, then it's just gonna. I don't think the FDA is going to even deal with it because they have to answer the comment about not like that the cigars are adults, there's certain ways to use them, children don't use them this way, children don't know how to use them, blah, blah, blah. and 
one they're not this big research report that came out like a year and a half ago i think was their hope for it and it basically concluded that it's not a threat to miners i i even if it gets remanded back i don't think the fda is going to touch it because it's like what else can you really do if you if, if you can't use in a, you know a broad term of cigar which could be a backwood or any tobacco wrapped product then I don't think the FDA is going to really get specific, and they're not going to spend the resources on like you know like the one percent of the hundred percent problem with mm -hmm. tobacco, like jewels, vapes, cigarettes, and everything. So I think either way, it's going to be favorable to us. But obviously, vacating it's just going to allow us to kind of have a little bit more reprieve. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Miners aren't spending ten to fifteen dollars on a cigar to do whatever with or pipe <clears throat> tobacco. No, it's it's not a thing. And their own research, as you said, proved that. Yeah. Yeah, there's really no interest in that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> what are our final thoughts here on the uh, Kochka 149? I think it's a shame that like once the tobacco's gone, it's gone because this is a really yes. Good, that's really that was good my thought yep. exactly. Like I don't want this to be over. This is well, you can go down and buy another cigar. Well, I'm talking about the show. Final <laughs> thoughts. I'm not even halfway done with this thing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you just have to do a pipe, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We have Kaz on the show. We have to do a pipe. We okay. don't have to, but it'd be nice. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would be delightful. I'm, I'm going to pull Pat. I'm just happy to be here, Nick. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, Danny what, do you, Danny, what do you think about the cigar, man? Now that great, you, it's a you've great, had it. It's did a, you know it's under iron? <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, it, I'm usually Dave, more on top of this stuff. Dave, pull up a map of, of Central America, I, unlabeled. unlabeled, I want you to find Honduras on a map. Right we could there. do that later. It's right there. It's, it's right there. <laughs> there it is. That's the map. It's right there. If, if Florida was here, Honduran would be here. <laughs> Honduras. That's Cuba. Honduras. Just no, Cuba. That's Cuba. Honduran, that's, now you, that's look. Cuba. Anyways, All continue, right. please. Well, we still tower, right here, here's the here's here's the Panama Canal. Here's my thoughts. Oh boy, it's a really really good cigar. Absolutely, it's smooth, it's creamy, it's got a lot of flavor to it. It's um, it medium cedar? plus, I think, as far as body goes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's medium as far as strength goes. Yeah. Um, and it is pairing fantastically with the Diplomatico rum. Yeah. Yeah. The rum's bringing out the best things in the cigar. Uh, and the cigar is bringing out a lot of that uh, sweetness in the in the rum. It's a great, great pairing. Yeah, I totally have to agree with that. I think this pairing is sport one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, for me, it's surprising. I didn't think when you guys said that we were going to have... have... rum, right? I was just like, what? I was... you guys on crack? Like this, well, uh... not that far, Dave, but I mean... Um... I'm but wrong. I wouldn't. I wouldn't picture <laughs> when I first had the smoke. I was like, okay, well, maybe a nice single malt Scotch would be ideal with this, uh, like a Glenfiddich or maybe a Belvini would be. You know, the Caribbean cast would be, mm -hmm. you know, wonderful with this. But having it with the with the rum, it's yeah. that. And then like what I'm getting, the the finish is way more chocolatey than mm -hmm. than I ever expected, and. It's, I mean, I'm in love with it. I mean, it's Aww. not overpowering. It's not, it's just, it's, it's like almost a match made in heaven here. It's mm -hmm. crazy, crazy. I good. love a good scotch. I'm more of a Highland guy than yeah. like an Islay or a low. Like, I'm, I like just a little peat, but yep. just so you know my credentials here. 
Just a, just a little peaty. Just a I, wee little peaty. Just a little bit. Just a little, little, little smokiness. Little peaty. I like scotch. Yeah. I love Irish whiskey, but I am a rum guy. And I think rum does not get the attention it deserves, especially as a cigar. I, I agree. I totally agree with that. But uh, also, if you, uh, I'm sure you guys caught that, if you accidentally ash yourself, like the ash cleans up remarkably well. You've done that a lot. Is that because it's, it's not a, urine? It's, it's not a dirty ash. It's yeah. a clean ash. Yeah. It's a clean ash. I was able to just like get that ash off the suit, no problem, with with minimal minimal issue. Minimal flickery. Oh, that's good. That's good. Mm. Pat, what do you think, brother? I liked it a lot. I mean, after smoking a cigar, I, I think like a, a rum probably would actually popped in my head because with my experience with a cigar, like. It has a lot of those like woody bitter notes to it. It does have like that chocolatey sweetness, but you know, it, not even just rum, but like something that's really like kind of a sweet finish. Like even like there's some bourbons that come to my mind. Like yeah. Our yeah. Weller Antique, I think would have yeah. went really well with it. But something with a nice kind of, and I think the sugar cane sweetness from the rum definitely points out to oh, yeah. what I would look for for a pairing for this. But totally mm. brings out the chocolate. I mean, I think this the, the versatility of this cigar, like this really a lot of different spirits or yeah. non-alcoholics you could drink with this and it would be an enjoyable cigar so it's you know it's another clean because a lot of placentias they they're clean right like yeah. it's just like it doesn't like like i could smoke this cigar and then smoke you know a mild cigar after and my palate wouldn't be torched like it's just placentias are just very clean finished cigars mm-hmm. so now question for you cool. because you said it was so versatile. versatile would you do a tequila with it and what tequila comes to mind, sir? I would do a Reposado. With I was it. about to say that. Uh, the, yeah, the 724. The, yeah, our Reposado, back. yeah. That, I mean, that has a really incredible smooth yep. finish. That would it has a little bit of too. sweetness in there, and I think it would bring out, I think the cigar would bring out a little bit more sweetness mm. in the tequila. And it would, I th- that's going to probably be my next thing to try that and see how that goes. Because I'm not really a big tequila guy. There, the 724 tequila is kind of on another level, versus unless you're going to like a, you know, a Don Julio 1929 or something like that, or, or anything of like a really top shelf tequila. But I mean, that tequila, I would love to smoke with. Well, drink, say, on smoke with on the paper, the beer that 603 and I are brewing would go well with this cigar. Yeah, what are the taste on paper? On, that? Yeah, yeah. on paper, it's on paper. You find out. Oh, <clears throat> so like you're—I know you're talking about just straight like neat tequila. Yeah, but I, so I am not a huge tequila guy. I'm not opposed to it. It's just not we my know. spirit of choice. Yeah, but um, smoking this, I can't help but think if if you're familiar, there is a, a cocktail I love like crafted like well-crafted cocktails. sex on the beach no fuzzy nipple <laughs> el diablo what el is diablo. in an el diablo lime juice reposado creme de cassis and it's got a slight ginger beer floater interesting and it would pair very well with this because it's slightly sweet but maybe the the lime would maybe throw it off for me it's not a lot. It's just enough to counteract the really sweetness from the creme de cassis, which is pretty jammy. Yeah. But uh, when when he said reposado, like that's the first thing that popped in my head because I've I've had that neat and that would work very well with this. But yeah. if you're looking for a cocktail, I think a an El Diablo would go very well with this. Interesting. All right. So we're gonna switch over to the pipe tobacco now, and this is where. 
Kaz's expertise really comes in. Goodbye. You got your pipe, you. Kaz? I do have a pipe. You, you should use it. You didn't give me any tobacco, though. That's over there somewhere. There you go. Thank Kaz, you. Kaz, you mean to look up what tobacco's in this, or do you got it? No, I know, <laughs> I know what um, tobacco is in this. It's all from Florida. It's, it's all from Florida. <laughs> it's all Florida sun-grown tobacco. Slow no, it's actually it's all... It's not be available because the crops were just destroyed by hail. No, no, it's, it's, it's all Nicaraguan. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Nicaraguan puro tobacco. I'm no. So, I'm what do you so got ashamed. there, though? What do you? What pipe you got there, Pat? Uh, oh, Christmas. that is a Saint Nicholas twenty twenty nineteen or twenty twenty. Is that uh, a three twenty? Nineteen sounds right. I got one. Is that a seven L E three twenty? Yeah, it is a three twenty. Seems pretty similar to mine, baby. My camo three twenty. I love this thing. Look at that. I could barely even see it. Mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't even know what I have in my hand right now. So from the Laudisi that website. Is... A 320 camouflage. It's a joke because mm. it's camouflage. You don't know. What you're... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Kaz. Mm. Uh, guy with Hogarth. Is this a bad time to tell you that I'm autistic? What? That was uh, really mean. What? That was really mean. Well, that... <laughs> what? At least you, you don't have to wear what? an orange jacket when you go hunting because you're here. That's true. That's yeah. true. Oh, God. I have, a, I have a bad feeling this is not going to light today. Ah. Uh, mm. We should have dried uh, this belt like a hundred years ago. Got with Hogarth and uh, Co.'s Innerdale uh, mixture is a ready rub version of their iconic Innerdale Flake, a classic Lakeland pipe tobacco. Innerdale mixture features a foundation of Virginia's from Brazil, Zimbabwe, and Malawi, with the addition of Malawi Burley, <laughs> for, uh, which further elevates the blend's natural tobacco flavors. And there's a distinctive casing of almond, fruit, and vanilla, offering a delightful room note. So I will go further to say that there's also a few more botanicals on this. There's a little bit of geranium and heliotrope. Heliotrope? Heliotrope. Heliotrope? Which is a flower. Um... This, what the heck is heliotrope? It, it's a flower. Um, Where is it grown? Indonesia? Oh, I, I, don't, ground. I don't know. The, the name yes. is Greek. Helio, Nicaragua. Helio is Greek Nicaragua. for sun. Nicaragua. Nicaragua. But, Nicaragua. So this harkens back. These flavors are all botanical or floral in nature. And this harkens back to the old English purity laws, Harkin. which limited flavorings on tobacco. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people are under the misconception that the old English purity laws on tobacco mm, were a result of <laughs> like trying to prevent flavorings to mass substandard tobacco, which is not true at all. Mm -hmm. um, it is because a lot of suppliers were overhydrating tobacco with water. And so when you would purchase tobaccos, almost always excluding cigars, pipe tobacco is almost always purchased by weight. Mm hmm. Well, if it's overhydrated, you're paying for water mm -hmm. that you're going to have to dry out before you can smoke it. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these flavorings were extracted through um, alcohol, like tinctures or a, a lot of what the flavorings you use in, in culinary, like uh, vanilla extract, which mm -hmm. everybody has in their pantry, yep. is alcohol-based. And it's mm -hmm. because that alcohol flashes out, the moisture leaves, and it just leaves the, flour, the, the flavoring behind. Right. So you're talking like Victorian era tobacco, mm -hmm. um, which were often uh, floral in nature. Okay. 
So you have a very floral character. Some people love, some people hate. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. It's unique. Um, and it's honestly amazing that we still have it around today. So that's what, when people say that Lakeland essence, mm -hmm. it's those floral toppings that you mentioned that that is referring to. Absolutely. That's the Lakeland style. And okay. if you're not familiar what Lakeland means in context of, of English tobacco, there is a an area in the UK called the Lake District, which is known for having, of course, lakes. many lakes. Um, it's in the northwest corner of England. So if you think um, the largely in the county of, of Cumbria, city of mm -hmm. Kendall, which is where Gay with Hogarth's based, um, Liverpool is either in the Lake District or near it, and most people know of Liverpool. Okay. So that, that gives you an idea. In fact, a lot of the tobacco that early on in, in Gay with Hogarth's history that they used that was imported from, as you said, Brazil, mm -hmm. Africa, it came through a port in Liverpool. Okay. So you, you have that, um, that context there, and I think to this day that's still where they receive it through. Mm -hmm. um, so the Virginia base, it's going to be very grassy hay-like uh slight citrus sweetness you get a little bit of nuttiness and woodiness from the burley mm -hmm. um and then you have these really interesting floral components mm -hmm. um the geranium most people would probably identify that as a rose-like mm -hmm. flavor the almond gives it a, a really like pastry sweetness um and then there's just this slight like honeysuckle flavor, which I equate to the, the heliotrope, um, which is a, a just a yellow dandelion uh, garden flower that, that a lot of people have. I got uh, a lot of heliotrope. I, yeah, a lot of heliotrope. I got a lot on. of heliotrope. I wonder if Mandy has any heliotrope in her garden. Probably. Got everything else going. Why don't you, you should you should live call her right now and ask her. <laughs> so this is like now, very floral, sweet, almost mm -hmm. like I'm smoking a Cavendish. Almost it's it's weird. Almost that like arrow. It's like for me, it's it's almost smoking an aromatic, but not smoking an aromatic. It's it's. Just weird. It's That's a lot going that, on. It's, it's a, lot a struggle to explain this to someone who has never smoked a Lakeland, or in my case, dealing with uh, brick and mortar retailers who yeah. have never carried it. It's like they'll ask, "Is this an aromatic?" I'm like, "Is it flavored?" Absolutely. Your guy who's buying like vanilla Cavendish. Mm is just as likely to like it or hate it as your guy who's buying a heavy English. Yeah. Like, it's it's one of those... It's its own category. Mm -hmm. So It's weird. Yeah, so it's one of those things that... Um, that you're either going to like or, or not. Um, yeah. It's very perfumey and, okay. and incense-y. Uh, herbal. Yeah. Herbal. Mm. And, and, like, I'm hesitant to use this word because it has all sorts of connotations and it might turn some people off, but... It's still accurate. There's kind of like a potpourri sort of aspect to it. Mm -hmm. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, like you get these like... Like if I'm back at my mother's house when she's uh, doing the whole potpourri thing. Mm -hmm. Potpourri, potpourri. Potpourri. Potpourri, whatever. Potpourri. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's there's a lot. There's a lot of 
complexities there and there's earthy and then you get sweet then you get floral man it's now it's true though that what kaz said this lakeland essence is you some a lot of people summarize this as either love it or you don't it's 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 like latakia in some extent there's there's no real middle ground to it i i i hear people you know they pick and choose what they I've heard people say they they will only buy Samuel Gawith because it doesn't have that Lakeland essence crap in it, <laughs> and you know, um, oops. <laughs> and some people have described it. You know, it smells like your grandma's soap. You know, and so, and yet, you know. So why is there, you know, <clears throat> why do you think this particular flavor is so polarizing? I mean, it's it's a lot like anything as far as uh, that's scented. So, like, it, if you look at the the perfume or the the candle industry, like, there are some people who absolutely love patchouli, <laughs> and there are people <laughs> okay. who cannot stand patchouli. Like, it's it's not good or bad. It's a matter of preference. Sure, and honestly, that makes it no different than any other pipe tobacco. Mm-hmm. That's why, like, while it has nothing in common with Latakia as far as it's it's flavor notes Mm -hmm. as far as like guys love heavy Englishes or they Mm -hmm. don't right like it's Mm -hmm. that sort of thing it's either your your bag or it's not Mm -hmm. um I think that uh like I I was drawn to it immediately the first time I tried it I I still remember it was 2014 that uh an older guy in my pipe club like gave me a bag of gay with hogarth uh kindle flake mm-hmm. which is similar to interdell mm-hmm. and um i immediately loved it hmm. but um to, to you, you drew up a, a thing because a lot of people like samuel gay with gay with hogarth they they conflate these two brands and that that's fine i mean the the gay with of gay with hogarth was a descendant of samuel gay with's yeah but they had very different approaches to pipe tobacco, and it wasn't a preference thing. It was that Samuel Gaywith inherited his company from his father-in-law, Thomas Harris, who right. started it in 1792. Mm-hmm. So you're talking 18th and early uh, 19th century style of pipe tobacco. Mm-hmm. Gaywith Hogarth broke off. It was, um, I forget the first name of the Gaywith who broke off, mm-hmm. but it was uh, a Gaywith and a trustee of Samuel Gaywith, Henry Hogarth, who founded Gay with Hogarth in the 1860s, I believe. So you're talking just before and into the early days of the, the Victorian era. Mm-hmm. So the tobacco they produced was what was in vogue during mm-hmm. Queen Victoria's reign. Mm-hmm. So to honestly they go hand in hand like if you want to smoke a historical tobacco that was from like colonial days smoke samuel gaywith and then if you want to move forward into the future into the the height the zenith of the the british empire and the victorian era smoke gay with hogarth like Mm -hmm. that they both have something to offer but they're very different Mm. and um that floral nature is still very much alive today um Mm. in in other uh brands and such that are popular in in the uk but I don't think it's unfair to say that gay with Hogarth that like corners the market and they're the originals. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Um, let's, let me take a moment to do our 
724 flashback. Mm-hmm. Flashback. Flashback of the day of the flashback. week. Uh, the 724 Flashback is a weekly segment highlighting historical events brought to you by 724 Cigars Smoke a Piece of History. And today's uh, flashback is that 31 years ago today was Johnny Carson's final appearance on The Tonight Show. Really? After 30 years of hosting that show, he retired 31 years ago to the day mm. today. And um, uh, how many of you, did any of you, you know, see Johnny Carson at all when he was on TV? I, I, I used to, remember I remember it. my grandfather watching it all the time. And he loved it. And I, I, back then I was, I was too young and he was probably watching reruns at the time. But, I mean, I still remember him watching. Some how of old the, are you, Nick? 38. So I'm 33, so I'd have been two mm-hmm. 31 years ago when Carson retired. So if I saw it, I have no memory of it. Yeah. Well, we have a little, uh, I have a little snippet here uh, that I'm going to uh, play for everybody, or more accurately have Dave play for everybody. Um, and this is a, a snippet of him interviewing uh George Burns and oh. George Burns walks in with a cigar and uh Johnny starts talking to him about his cigar smoking habits. It's really hilarious. Let's watch. It's about 40 seconds. It's not that much. <laughs> I hope they did. That was, that was a good show. Oh my god. Appreciate goodness. the confidence, Dave. <laughs> well, there you have it. But uh you know, I'm old enough that I uh, uh, remember the Johnny Carson show and everything, and uh, I don't know that I saw that particular episode, but that snippet with him interviewing George Burns about cigars and and uh, <laughs> hasn't your doctor told you it's this is bad for you? He's dead. <laughs> yeah. He um, I think he famously outlived two or three of his doctors. He did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they all told him to stop smoking, and he just kept smoking and. I live yep. He he. Uh, when did George Burns uh, kick the bucket? He was over a hundred years. Old. Yeah, it was one oh one oh one one oh two. Yeah, he made that hundredth. He he did that hundred hundred year old show in London. I yeah, he did that. Mm-hmm. But nuts, crazy. Smoking like ten twelve <clears throat> cigars a day. Yeah. Now, do you guys watch late night TV at all? No. 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 Do you even know what late night TV is? Mm. No. Do you know what late night TV is, Cass? Late night TV for me is watching the chickens on my mom. My, so are you my... talking like the Tonight the late Show? show and... So and, I, and stuff like that. I, to I me, have, me the whole idea. Not how it used to be. Once, once he, once he retired. Yeah. You know, you had Jay Leno come on. And, I was going to say and, it was Jay Leno after him. But even that was, you know, just things just started to decline. Yeah, well, and everything was now. I think everybody, you know, it's one of those things where those all those um, kind of variety show things. Yeah, they've just gotten more and more humdrum. Less well, variety. It's, 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 Less it's, variety and more more. Uh, it's what's the word? For sterile. It? Politically, yeah, involved. sterile. Sterile's the word I'm looking for. It was the same thing over and over and over again. And you know what? What worked in the '70s and '80s and '90s, 
was not going to work in the 2000s, 2010s, you know, and, you know, but it's interesting to me that, that none of us sitting here, and this doesn't, this is not necessarily a great cross section of America, but <laughs> the five of us here do not watch those types of shows. And I grew up with that type of show. Right. At, but that was, know, I mean, again, so Danny, how old are you? 53. You're 53. Yes. I'm 38. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> but back then, it was there was no Netflix. There was no internet. Nope. There was no, you know, okay, we can watch it. We can, you know, pull up Amazon. It's the only thing they had. Right. But I'm, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but yeah. that's what you had. You but had that's, five channels. But, <laughs> right. But my grandfather was the same way. My grandmother was the same way. My aunts and my, my mother were the same way. You know what I mean? You had to turn... To get real entertainment, that was the entertainment back then. It yep, was watching Johnny Carson, and then after that was Jay Leno. And I mean, like that's why Jay Leno was so was so uh, dominant back then because that's what it was. That was the the height of the television, like SNL. Yeah. Back then, when you had Dan Aykroyd and you had you know the newcomers of Adam Sandler and, and David Spade, Chris Farley, Chris Farley, mm-hmm. all those guys. That's was. That was TV back then. Yeah. Now you have everything wants to be on Netflix. You want to be on, you know, Amazon Prime and and Plex and everything else. And everybody has um, easy access to the games and to TV and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's not like how it was before, where that you know everybody has these avenues of entertainment. Back then, Johnny Carson was the peak of entertainment television. At I would then. agree, but I would also state that. Nothing has come close to that. Absolutely not. Since, like, it, it, you well, know, the majority of those shows that I have watched, like any late shows or something like that, have all been off of YouTube. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, it's all reruns. It's all stuff that was been, was aired in the early '80s and or the early '90s and stuff like that. Like nothing can compare to that because it was TV was so dominant back then for entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then HBO came along, and then Netflix came along after that, and then the internet boomed <laughs> the boom and, and everything. So you can watch movies, you can watch shows, and it, you don't have to wait 7 o'clock, we all got to sit down and watch this. Mm-hmm. We, you don't have to do that anymore, and everybody's spread out, and everybody's on their phones, and everybody's on their laptops, and everything You're like that. You're also not bound by the airtime. True. I can Correct. stream anything I want anytime. at any time. I don't have and anywhere. To. Yes, I don't have to go, oh. Shit, the late night show is going to air at eleven. You got to get home. I've got to get home. Like, yeah. no, it's like, oh, right. I'll watch it in the morning. I like, mean, how many? How how many? Uh, I watch a lot of older movies. Um, how many older movies do you ever hear in the script of the movie? Oh, honey, we got to get home. Carson's going to be on, or mm-hmm. Leno's going to be on. We we got to get home. We got to watch that. And that was that was a family event. Mm-hmm. That was a family thing. We yeah. rarely have those moments anymore. No, no. Do you think that has a lot to do with the decentralizing of the entertainment structure thing? Yeah. Yeah. With, you know, we've gone from four channels to 500 channels. To oh, Instagram. probably even yeah, more than all, that. Now all of which have very questionable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. You got like half the channels, so you got like DirecTV or, or other channels and stuff like that. And they go up to, what, a thousand channels and... Or you're Nobody. like me, and I have no channels. I stream everything. Like yeah. Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't pay for cable. I mm-hmm. stream. Yeah, I'm probably I, paying as much mouth. as a person who pays for cable. But and it's, like, it's funny too how <clears throat> you know my kids have no idea what it's like 
to come to the season finale cliffhanger of a show and have to wait four months or five months before they see what happens next. They have oh, yeah. no idea. Yep. And the the only exception to that is some of these shows the that Wars you can stream time. now that, you know, it airs and then it's available to stream. Mm-hmm. One of my... Uh, uh, watch uh, with my 17 year old the show uh, yellow jackets on uh, showtime and you know we'd stream through to the last current episode that had aired and it was over until next week and ray my daughter nearly flipped out she was like that's it that's where the whole thing ends no honey it's still on the air you you have to wait till next monday what do you mean i have to wait till next monday exactly and see that's so like i'm i'm what they call an elder or a a geriatric millennial so (laughs) i remember having to come back (laughs) i remember coming back every week and having to watch a show and you had to wait a week to find out what happens next like i Mm -hmm. live that i understand that Half of my life was that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it is amazing how in the past just like five or six years, I can't do that anymore. Like a show mm-hmm. that I no. really want to see or one that I've been watching and the next season comes out, yeah. I won't watch anything until the whole season's out because yeah. I no longer have the ability to watch it at a slow drip. I've got to be able to binge it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what – that's like the I can't. That's the, the possibility of, you know, Netflix and Plex and Showtime and Disney Plus and the mm-hmm. whole thing. And you just you don't have to you don't have to wait. You don't you don't have to wait <laughs> weeks or months at a time. You can just yep. wait until the whole season's out, watch the whole season. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. eventually you'll have to wait yep. for the next season. But then you wait for the whole season to come out or drop or, and then you just watch mm-hmm. the whole thing. You just mm-hmm. binge it on a Saturday. You know what I mean? Just binge it on a Saturday. Just binge it on a Saturday. Yeah. It really, that's, that's that's what I've done for the past, like, gosh, I said five or six years, but, like, really ten years. The first show that I was like, I can't wait for a slow trickle like that, I think was, like, maybe House of Cards or something when it was going yeah. on. It's like, I can't. I can't do this slow burn. Like I've got, yeah. to, I've got to be able to watch it at my leisure. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna wait like so many weeks and just like watch it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we are spoiled in that aspect, man. Yep. Yes. I yes, mean, like, yep. man, I remember growing up. For I remember when when I couldn't, my mother wouldn't let me go to the movies to see a movie, and to try to, I had to wait months. I mean, six or seven months. Between it coming from the movie theater onto an HBO or even uh, an FX or something like oh, that. Be, I mean, what about DVD? It was crazy. Years. Blockbuster. Oh, my God. asking me to watch something with commercials. Oh, forget about it. Oh, my God. But that's that was the beauty of it because you would sit there, watch a movie or a show, and then when the commercial came on, you, you everybody, like, fanned out and spread out to do their thing. They get popcorn. They had to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Or they had to go downstairs. They had to let the dog out for five minutes and mm-hmm. then come back in. Yeah, man, it was – I mean, those days, I mean, they, we, we never, don't have anything like that anymore. We never had a DVR or Chivo or any of that growing no, up either. Never had no. We had to wait. Yep. No. no. Or how about, like, recording – what, I, what me and my brother used to do is when the movie or the show came on, would have the, the VHS, VHS, yeah, yeah. And yeah. record that. the show mm-hmm. and then stop the tape when it went to commercial. Yeah, and then to record <laughs> it out the commercial. Yeah, so we didn't that. have to watch the commercial, man. <laughs> oh my God, me and my brother, we did used to do uh, our own VHS mixtapes. So we used to put on mm-hmm. MTV, and back then when they had music videos on MTV, mm-hmm. none of this political bull crap now that we used to 
we used to record music videos on VHS and just do the music videos and then on Sunday Jeff yeah and then when we when we had to clean on Sunday mornings with my mother would put the tape in and would just run the tape mm -hmm. for like two three hours and stuff <laughs> back then that was that was old school right there man yep, yep, I you had to work for that. your entertainment yeah man oh my god I had that thought today like on the flight up here as I'm listening to Spotify and it's like everything even still on even demand. ten years ago like Kaz would have gone like what like you can yeah. just like pull any music you want through your phone oh my yeah. god i got in trouble with napster that whole thing <laughs> oh my god don't get me started on limewire oh god <laughs> yeah. bro. i mean they sent letters Bear to share. my mother they sent the 56k dial up oh jesus it'll take 31 years for this to download. i know right? <laughs> <laughs> aol oh mm. my god I remember when it used to take me like 40 minutes to burn a CD. Oh, forget about it, man. That was the beginning of the end right there. That was the beginning of the end. Mm. So how about we digress and get back to the tobacco mm -hmm. because I'm very upset with this tobacco right now. So back from 2023 <laughs> to like 1887. No, I haven't lit. <laughs> One, the rum's gone. Mm -hmm. well, why, why, is the, why is the rum gone? Because you're Nick. an alcoholic. I'm not an alcoholic. It's just they didn't give me enough. That's true. You I'm don't not an alcoholic. I just drink a lot. I drink my all fair the share. time. <laughs> One, the alcohol that I had left wasn't holding up to the tobacco. the The rum was great in itself, and the tobacco was great in itself. But it was not. It was definitely. A, it was meshing together. It was trying to become something that it wasn't. Um, I think the tobacco was a little bit, a little bit too powerful. As far as the flavor and the sweetness and the floral and a little bit of honey in there and the wood node, mm -hmm. great on its own. I would have to have something maybe a little bit more powerful than that to kind of calm it down. A nice bourbon to kind of calm the, the all that sweetness and complexities down, kind of tone it down a little bit, mm -hmm. make it a little even on the palate. The rum isn't doing it. It wasn't doing it for me. It's gone now. No, that's I mean. totally fair. I like... Uh dark rum with Innerdale because it brings out the floral notes within the rum. Mm. But the floral notes within the rum, admittedly, are much more subtle than they are in the tobacco. Right. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that, that I personally enjoy, but I mean, there are darker rums in Diplomatico that might hold up a little bit better. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I think that guys who might have tried a, a Lakeland style tobacco or particularly Innerdale that didn't like it at first blush might I would encourage them to give it a second try um, it's not um, like if you're looking for a Virginia Flake or an aromatic this probably isn't going to scratch that itch like mm -hmm. it's mm. it's it it's hard to define it. it it escapes being boxed in like that it's its own category it's so, kind of a, like a wild horse that you're trying to tame exactly <clears throat> and it's also an almost it's all but forgotten genre of pipe tobacco mm. so it's something that someone's going to want for them to enjoy it they're going to want something different that they haven't had before mm -hmm. this is definitely different i mean it's kind of an aromatic but not an aromatic it's like a Virginia, but not a Virginia. Like a Cavendish, but not a Cavendish. Yeah, Oriental, but not Oriental. Yeah. But it's it's weird and wild. I like the tobacco on itself because it's 
there's so much going on and you kind of really have to focus your palate. It's you, refreshingly different. It is. I'm not saying that it's not, and I'm not. I, but by any means, I'm not bashing the tobacco or the rum because I like them separately. I love them both separately, but together, it was not for me. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, it just wasn't there for me. Pat, you've been awfully quiet this half of the show. Well, he's TV. he's only 22 years old, so I don't you watch know. TV. He can't really comment on yeah the 80s. Um. He just owns a town. He's important and, and studying law. He is important. I'm not saying he's not important. He's just most of the stuff that we were talking about happened in the 80s, and he was not born. He wasn't even a twinkle in his father's eye at that point. Maybe he was. Maybe they were practicing. I don't know. They wanted to make a perfect child. I don't know. <laughs> Pat is nearly perfect in my eyes, Pat. I love you, bud. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dave, <laughs> I can't say anything after that. Oh come on! <laughs> I I really enjoy the pipe tobacco. I think just because of its Oriental roots, uh, English roots. There's no <laughs> Oriental in it. There's no cabbage. Well, I mean, is it Nicaraguan? No, there's no moral. Nicaraguan tobacco in it. The tobacco so is 100 percent Nicaraguan, Dave. <laughs> Nicaraguan roots. It smells like Honduran. It does, yeah. Maybe some Indonesian in there, maybe? Smoke's Dominican to me. Oh, Cuban, maybe. Touch Cuban. No, Dominican, definitely. Maybe the botanical cook. aspects remind me of Orientals. Okay, so I'll just say that. Orientals can have a, a floral component to their flavor. Mm. I, I get what you're saying there. I like it. You like it? That's a, our that's conversation the most, before the show. That's the most you anticipated hating it. <laughs> so like I'm really happy because it's I've known guys who like I describe it like oh that sounds awful like you and then like they try it and they're like oh this is good and I know guys that like we're intrigued and like no I don't like this at all. I think so, it's because you describe it like shit. <laughs> I, I think that my descriptive abilities God damn. surpass expectations. Surpass your ability to comprehend. Ooh, big words. <laughs> Got big words going on now. Um, no, I think it's good. I mean, it's uh, I'm not a big like aromatic person. I don't really like anything too too sweet. So, I thought it was gonna be really sweet, but um, yeah, it's not. It's not super sweet at all. No, it's like interesting because I think like, just like the mouthfeel episode. I think, but um, I think all those botanicals kind of like. It, it does leave, like, a lot it, of residue on your palate. It lingers on the palate, for sure. For a mm. lot. But it's weird because, like, the way that I kind of... So, my enjoyment from it came from the aroma. Mm-hmm. So, I think why I liked it so much was... I, I'll just give an example because it's probably easier to explain it this way. Like, there was... I remember when I was younger, I went <laughs> two, for a hike in the two woods. years ago. And no, I was probably in like middle school, and like th- 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 there was like an endangered plant called like the lady slippers, mm-hmm. and there's like this childhood scent that I remember, cause like th- there's one little area like in my woods that would always have like a, f- a couple of them, and I would go out there, and if you smelt it, it had like kind of like a rose kind of floral scent to it. 
But then it was like such as flowers frolicking through the forest. But it was a really, it it was a potent scent. And like when you would smell, and like if you smell any flower for the most part, like if you smell a flower, then you're like out in nature. Like it like opens your sensories up, and you start smelling more. You know what I mean? Like like you start noticing like the smell of like leaves, wood, like the fresh one and everything. So with this pipe tobacco, I think those botanicals kind of opens my sensories up. And then the aroma from the smoke going through my nose is where I get a lot of those complexities from it. And so shameless plug here. <clears throat> I know it's my job to pitch and sell this. Yes. But uh, I was, and there's evidence of this online, among with other things, so don't Google me. Oh, but, oh boy. But hello. There, there is, I have been a Gay with Hogarth fan long before... I worked for Laudisi Distribution Group, mm-hmm. and even longer before Laudisi Distribution Group distributed this product. Mm-hmm. So, my credentials as a fanboy of Gay with Hogarth are well established. Mm-hmm. This, to me, is one of the ideal springtime tobaccos. Mm. Yeah. yeah. The Virginias mm-hmm. have that light citrusy grass. You know, a lot of people smoke Virginias in the spring, mm. but with that floral component, like on a just nice, temperate, sunny spring day like Mm -hmm. this is to me springtime in your pipe i can totally agree with that yeah i concur Mm. i definitely concur mine's staying wet (laughs) is it Mm. 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 all right Mm -hmm. well there you go that's the show Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. you know. well, Kaz, thanks for being with us tonight. Again, it was a pleasure yeah. to have you with us. It's always a pleasure to be here. You're going to be here next week? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You should just move up here. I'll offer me a job. We'll see. Whoa. Hey, <laughs> now. <laughs> hey now. All right. Well, thanks for being with us tonight. Hope you had a good time. And uh, we'll see you next Monday, 8 o'clock. And that's not just blowing smoke. Stay guys, smoky, right? everyone. You've been listening to Not Just Blowing Smoke, the podcast that brings the wealth of knowledge, expertise, and fun of Twins Smoke Shop, New England's premier smoke shop, right to you, wherever you are, whenever you want it. You can find us at our website, notjustblowingsmoke.com, and keep in touch with us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at Not Just Blowing Smoke. Thanks for listening, everybody. And that is is not just blowing smoke. Rolling with the top down smoke.